0: Thank you.
1: Fringe Arts.
0: And my name is Raina Searles and I'm marketing manager here.
1: We invite you to pour one up and enjoy our conversations with some of the most imaginative people on this plane of existence.
0: Now we've been recording these podcast interviews with some of your favorite Fringe Festival artists and we're recording this right now. We're actually in Nick Stuccio's office, our our fearless leader. But there is a little bit of sound, so you may pick up a little bit of, uh, of the fan going on in here. But we're here right for the festival, things are crazy, boxes are everywhere, t-shirts, guides. But by the time you hear this, the festival's in full swing and you have downloaded our app. You have bought your tickets and you are all set to, uh, to come out to all the shows.
1: If you're using our app please don't forget to uh, like and review us you also want to go in there and like individual shows use the scheduling features really play around in there it's basically what you used to do with your festival guide where you got it Open it up and circled a bunch of uh, photos, but now you can do that in a way that is manageable and good for the environment. Look at you.
0: So today we are very excited to be speaking with Donald Nally, the co-founder and conductor of The Crossing. The Crossing will be performing here at Fringe Arts on September 16th at 8 p.m. with their show of Arms and the Man. Tickets are available at FringeArts.com. So Donald, welcome. Thanks,
2: it's great to be here.
0: Donald, last time I saw The Crossing, you were an extinct marine arachnomorph
1: arthropod in Pig Iron's A Period of Animate Existence.
2: Yes, we were. <laughs> uh, what have you been
1: up to since?
2: <laughs> well, we haven't done any trilobite stuff, <laughs> uh, but that was super fun. Um, We've been up to everything. I mean, we like that started our, our year exactly a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Boy, I mean, since then we've been to Northwestern, we've been to New York, we won a Grammy, we've done a big residency in Montana, we've premiered, I don't know, probably 12 or 14 works, and yeah, and now we're revving up and the season is here, and there's really been no break. I mean, that's one of the really fun things about our transition from 2017 18 to 2018 19 is that this year was uh, seamless. So mm-hmm. we haven't, we've just one season to another
1: i love how casually you say you're my granny
0: <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: Sauvignon Blanc. Thank you. Lovely. Yes, how about what you? Are you
0: uh, this week I'm having coffee because that's where we are.
1: <laughs> I personally ordered a mocktail this week. I got the, uh, the watermelon cucumber lemonade but it does taste like booze so
0: <laughs> who
1: knows where this is going today. <laughs>
0: So we're really excited for *Of Arms and the Man*. Um, this is a piece that we've we've heard that it talks about themes of nationalism and war and things that are happening today and are just as relevant today as they were any number of years ago. So we're just curious to know. Can you tell us a little bit about the program and what we can expect?
2: Yeah, it's you know I thought that I probably have labored over the programming of this show more than any other show I may have ever done. Oh wow! And it's just because it was conceived as a recital, so we normally commission larger works, you know, an hour concert length piece or a half hour or whatever. And this this one we wanted to do a lot of pieces that we've commissioned over the years. Because we're repeating this up at the Park Avenue Armory, we wanted to make sort of statements about military and like aristocracy and military and our relationship to conflict and war and then how we kind of navigate our lives in general. So it it's really you know it's been it's been a labor of love but it took me a long time to get the feel right because I wanted to put you know stuff in there about our relationship to the em- environment and of course you can't talk about any of that stuff without talking about money and you know fortunately we've commissioned a number of pieces that actually do talk about money and wealth distribution and so at, at any rate at the whole conception of the concert uh, or the program I decided that we should ask Ted Hearn to write a new piece yeah. for us and the last time we were at Fringe it was an all Ted Hearn program which was really you know so I thought perfect and so we asked him to write a piece and he and I've been talking about it for a year and he finally came up with this concept called animals and it ends the first half of the program and the text is these aren't people these are animals I'm I'll leave it there These corporations have a lot of money, corporations have a lot of money, corporations
1: have a lot of money, Asians have a lot of money, Asians have a lot of money, have a lot of money, a lot of money, lot of money, of money, money, money. curator more in your work. Is that is that more true? You've kind of talked in the past about this idea of uh, the crossing being a curator and the program being the gallery. I, I think in my own curatorial practice, I'm oftentimes not trying to craft, well you're trying to craft the experience that night, but what you're also thinking about is what conversations people have after, and you're trying to like prompt some sort of uh, social discourse in some fashion. What conversations do you hope that audiences have with each other uh, after they come to see a farm to the man? <laughs>
2: It's a good question, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, I don't actually think all that much about the conversations because I'm focused on the questions, but maybe that's the same thing. Because, you know, for us, we just think this is not particular to the time that we live in, but there's just so many questions that don't have easy answers, or maybe don't even have answers, right? Or they're not solvable in our lifetime. And so we decided a long time ago that we wanted to invest in those questions. And ask creative artists to address them through their own like compositional voice, and maybe focus or magnify or whatever they decide to do, on the on the questions. So I think the dialogue afterward, you know, in my head, I'm the dialogue a- a- afterward, which I said, you know, which I said I, I don't really think that much about, but I I think it might be an interesting reaction to that text that this particular composer takes, right? So, so there's this big piece in the second half called Rig by Gabriel Jackson. We, we commissioned it in 2013 and it, it is a part of this big project called The Gulf Between You and Me and it, was, and it was three big pieces in three different programs based around the Deepwater Horizon disaster. And I commissioned Pierre Joris, who's a good friend, who's a poet, to write these three poems that were related and are, are based on uh, personal stories. And I wanted to kind of reverse the romantic notion that you you talk about um, human things through nature as a metaphor, but instead we talked about nature things through humans as a metaphor. And so this piece, this is a this is this is a really angry text because it's about loving the earth and having only this one earth, but at the same time, Moloch, the god of money, is kind of like ruling everything, you know. And it's one of the only pieces I know where there's. Or choral pieces, I should say. You know, in opera you, you have anger a lot, right? You love toss it, right? Yeah. But in choral pieces, you don't actually come across like the writing out of anger. It's a very effective piece because there's also the writing out of love in it. And there's these moments where that like this kind of like ah stops, and there's this moment where it just goes like, This is what we have. This is what we are. And I really love I just love that piece. But it doesn't answer any questions. You get to the end of it and you're like, whoa. There are so many emotions that are involved in these issues, you know, and this composer just tried to find in himself, Gabriel Jackson, what those are. Mm. I think that I think that's it, you know, like, I think right. questions.
1: Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I, I mean, yeah, we, we talk a lot about Fringe Arts as uh, a place that makes work that prompts more questions than answers, and that that's, to me, uh, a freer experience than a lot of them. More narrative-driven work or more script-based work, I think, sometimes. I, I, I don't think that's a, a, an essential by any, by any means. I'm not trying to be an essentialist, but I'm just <laughs> saying that... I'm pegging you. No, you know, like, sometimes <laughs> I think it's interesting for a work to be maybe a little bit opaque and
2: to uh, not feed you so much. Well, I also think that it's true that when you go down that road of saying we're going to address issues that are politically charged right mm-hmm. that are social advocacy that you have to be super careful that you're not telling people what to think or feel right because mm-hmm. that, because then you get out of the realm of art you're losing you know you you just you might as well give a speech right oh, yeah. um and so we work with composers who largely steer away from telling people how they should think or feel but rather just present what what's reality for them mm-hmm. that that's 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 a really important part of like the ethos of our group i think yeah. Well, I think that takes into account the audience, right? You know, like, you, you'll never be able to change somebody's mind in an hour and a half, really. Well, also, you know, we're fortunate enough, like, our, our audience tends to be a lot of thinkers, right? Exactly, yeah. So, um, so they already come in with, you know, a, like, a knowledge base of the, the problems of the world and their own opinions about that, right? So, it's just like anything. It's like you listen to a Mahler symphony, you discover things about your own inner love life that you'd either forgotten or didn't realize or your sadness or whatever, right? I don't think there's any difference in, in what contemporary composers are doing. Maybe some of the buttons are a little bit different that are being pushed.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, you've said that this is one of the pieces that you've spent the most time on or like really focused on, um, but the crossing started. As a group of friends, right?
2: Yeah, we did. We like we started um, speaking of cocktails. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> we like we we were sitting outside of Fado, which is a place I like, think yes. I've been to yeah. maybe twice in my entire the life. Irish club on fifteenth street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, at at fifteenth. Yeah, yeah, Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So I wouldn't really give them the credit for this because it was not a hangout. I wouldn't um, either. <laughs> <laughs> However, The reason that we were there was because, um, so I lived here from 1992 until 2003 and in the course of that time I did a lot of different ensembles and collected in a way this group of professional singers that basically wound up doing everything together Mm -hmm. and our home became St. Mark's Church on on Locust Street between um, 16th and 17th. and we really, like, that was a, you know, that was a, that was an everything home to us. We, we just made all sorts of crazy music at that church, and it was amazing. And so I had moved to Wales, and a bunch of the rest of us had moved to, like, different coasts and whatever, and we, a bunch of us were back. I don't remember why, and we were having drinks outside of Fa, Fado, which I also <laughs> don't remember why, and one of us said, you know, we really should do a concert I really miss, the kind of music that we make, the really, you know, kind of risk-taking, you know, I don't know exactly what's going to happen to this concert because it's new, right? Yeah. And I kind of chuckled and said, "Yeah, I'm sure, we you know, you know, along thinking like, yeah, well, I live in Europe now and everything moves on. And then Jeff, my co-founder, you know, called me when I got back to Wales and said, so when? when? When's the date? hmm And here. We are, <laughs> you know, and we did not expect like that concert was just it was fun. It was like a, it was like a I really miss you and I love you and I want to be in the same room with you kind of thing. And not like, oh, we should collect an audience and uh, you know, and and sell tickets and make money. None of that was a part of any of the beginning of the group. It was just we like the music and we
0: should do that.
1: And then the inquirer shows
2: up. And then the inquirer showed up, which was great. You know, thank you, David Patrick Stearns, and um, yes. for you know caring about new music, frankly, you know, and paying attention to that kind of that subdivision of culture in the city. Um, and and yeah, and then wrote about it twice, and and it really helped. So
0: yeah. Well, so what were those first few months like after the first concert? Well, so then,
2: we, so it was a one off. It really was. I went back to Wales. I had a you know a job that kept me really busy, and and then everybody else went off to their own corners. And then we got this amazing review, and thought, well, maybe we should do another one, you know. And then so the next year we decided we would do two, and 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 literally we're splitting the box office here, right? You know, there's not we're not incorporated. We don't we're not taking donations, you know and so it might have paid for parking, maybe, and and so yeah, we did two, and those went well, and so then we kind of like went, well, we had picked a name already, and have this thing, so maybe we should incorporate, mm-hmm. and see if we can raise a little bit of money to support commissions, because we really want to start doing that, and so the next year it was three, although I think one of them maybe didn't. That third year didn't we didn't it didn't work because it was just too complex to try to get something like going you yeah. know so yeah I think then in the fourth year we printed a brochure and we were like an actual group you know <laughs> we're trying to be adults uh-huh. and and had like a little mini season and then my life changed dramatically and I moved to a cabin in Maine and lived by myself for a year trying to have a midlife crisis about whether or not I should be an artist or not and. And then I moved to Chicago, and, and then all the while, the Crossing is growing and growing, and, yeah, mm-hmm. so, and now it's...
1: And then all of a sudden you're wearing your Grammy hat. And now I'm
2: wearing my <laughs> great, terrific Grammy hat, you know, it's exactly a great big ribbon that ties it to my head, it's awesome. So,
1: <laughs> so the Crossing has collaborated with International Contemporary Ensemble and Tepesto Damari, uh, the Baroque Orchestra in Philadelphia. It's mm-hmm. actually right through that wall here right now. Um, <laughs> They're just such different institutions, with ICE being probably one of the most uh, like forward-thinking musical uh, ensembles out there, and Tempesta de Mari being committed to a certain historical appreciation of Baroque instrumentation. Yes, and It sounds amazing. They're doing a piece of the Philadelphia Orchestra through the wall right That's now, awesome. rehearsing that, piece, and it's lovely. But I guess what I'm interested in is it, it seems like you had your own criteria in your head for what makes a great partner for the crossing, and I'm interested in unpacking that. Like, who are the people who you find you want to collaborate with because your organization is so mission-driven?
2: It's also incredibly Mm project-driven because we're, you know, I mean, I don't know how else to say this, but we're the primary um, commissioner of new works required in the country. And so collaboration is going to be a big part of that because they're not all going to be unaccompanied works, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to, if we're going to, Try to create an, a body of work of maybe voices that wouldn't necessarily be in that in that pool. We want to mix it up a lot and and find out what kinds of collaborations are interesting. So so it got like our collaborations. You know, you mentioned two, but they go everything from like American Composers Orchestra to the Los Angeles Philharmonic to you know, Iron. You know to Pig Iron. You know the Rolling Stones. Um, it you know it's just been fun. You know. So I think that you know, it it really is kind of like thinking about a, a pro, what project we we want to do or what what topic we want to talk about, and then finding maybe the right creative voice for it, and then talking with that creative voice about what is the what are the forces that are gonna tell this story the best because essentially. Essentially, what we do is tell stories, right? That—that's where we—we're—we're we're a texted music art, and then figuring out, you know, yeah, like so. What are those forces? Then, then, and then going like, well, I think this would be a great partner for that. And Ice has been um, a terrific partner for us because that goes all the way back to two thousand eleven when we did not the James Dillon's Nine Rivers with them at Miller Theater at Columbia, and and it was our first outing, and that piece is three nights long, and like crazy difficult and and really moving and uh, just a lot of huge like we just went this works really well everybody in this room has the same ethos about how to make music and why frankly so so yeah I mean I think that it's, it's it, it sounds a little complex but I don't think it is actually very complex you know just like calling up somebody who I love or we love working with you know sometimes our string ensembles here in in fillier, just put together by this violinist that we love working with and and has a lot of great friends and, uh and sometimes it's going and saying like we want to do a an unusual collaboration of a new contemporary choral sound with a baroque orchestra mm-hmm. and that was the, the tempest demari piece for by kyle smith the waking sun um, and that was part of the big project that was called seneca sounds and that was all born out of my interest in looking at stoicism through the eyes of someone who lived at the same time at Christ but had a very different world view mm-hmm. and, and how that infl- cause stoicism so so greatly influences our way of thinking about who we are because Shakespeare was enormously influenced by those writers and these, I don't think we can underestimate the amount of influence that Shakespeare had over the way in which we think about ourselves I think that went off into a very distracting direction. Yeah. Love
1: that. <laughs> 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 who's your dream composer to work
2: with? Oh, well, no, I can't say that, right? I can't say okay, that.
1: Uh, too. Who's, who's, who's past? <laughs> <laughs> Take your
0: favorite. Right. No, no,
2: no. no. Well, um, if Gustav Mahler was alive today, I would call him up and say, Gustav, come on. Um, (laughs) You, me, the crossing. It's so obvious, right? (laughs) Um, What uh, issues are you interested in tackling next? (laughs) We, I just fully mapped out the complete schedule of 1920 and moving on to 2021. And we've got like commissions in the 2021 season in the works and then commissions not committed to but ideas brewing for the twenty-one, twenty-two season and so I've been thinking a lot about this because over the next couple of years we have a lot of pieces that are clearly a reaction to where the world is right now right so last year the focus of our entire season was diaspora yeah. and we're not leaving that topic we're staying with the topic of of refugees and how we treat each other
0: yeah <laughs>
2: And, but on the other hand, like, we can't, I I don't want to get caught in the vortex of, you know, I mean, my personal hope is that, is that two years from now, we will hopefully be looking at a different paradigm of what the problems of the United States are. And, and it's, it could be very easy to just get caught in the vortex of Donald Trump Mm -hmm. and stay there. Right. So, so. I'm looking, you know, I th- we're looking, you know, at all sorts of ways in which we can talk about water, for example, because, you know, there's potentially great battles coming over this topic, right? And and population, but you can the, the thing is that you can't talk about these things uh, in the abstract, right? Because if you're a storyteller, then you have to tell a story. It has to be about a person or it has to be about a, a land and to people. So we're working on this piece of Montana Called Montagna actually right now and it's an enormous piece that we're mapping out over four summers Jeez. and it's starting this summer we did an hour and ten minutes of the piece it's an unaccompanied work for choir and with filmed by Michael Gordon and filmed by Bill Morrison and this piece eventually is going to be 24 hours long and and get as a 24-hour single unit like it's not going to be at two nights it's going to be a 24-hour event so in that piece, we are going to look at you know, land and uh, the history, our history with land and how we take it from each other mm-hmm. and how we curate it and how we cut it up. I'm, I want to talk about that and we're finding ways to do that. And it's not just about that. It's like about people living and, you know, personal histories and all this kind of stuff, so it's a, it's it's just an example of the kinds of future things, I mean, of course, we've only done an hour and ten minutes of this, and this is a four-year project, I, I don't know what we're going to be, where we're going to be in four years, and I love that, okay, mm-hmm. I mean, we love going, here's an idea, take this and figure out, like, how it works, and we'll, like, be in on, on the, on the planning process, and we love doing things like that because it, you know just. It makes for such creative spirit. It's
0: mm-hmm. really fun. Yeah. One thing I am curious about, and I know you're one year into the, the four-year process, but think about audience experience with a 24-hour-long yeah. piece. We just recently yeah. did uh, Stockhausen's Clang here this past spring, and that was another piece where it's, you know, a long period of time, so kind of curating you know is the audience meant to be sitting the whole time mm, mm. Um, and i'm curious if you've kind of had those thoughts
2: oh at all. <laughs> believe me <laughs> believe me you know because when you're looking at a project like this as you well know you're looking at enormous amounts of money as well right so you want to make sure that you're not becoming more of the problem right <laughs> all of that is under discussion all the time about like you know how how singers can be um, switched in and out, how many singers it takes to make the piece, when do people have to sleep in and get back up. Uh, the wonderful thing about Montana, of course, is that it's just a really big, big open space, right? And there's a lot of big open spaces that have covers over them in Montana, because land is plentiful. So. So we're looking at a number of places where the it would have multiple screens, um, and that people would feel the uh, fluidity and luxury in a way—not luxury, um, freedom—you know, invitation to come in, to go out, to bring a sleeping bag or a you know a lawn chair to experience the parts of it that they think are interesting to them. So yeah, we we thought you know it's, we don't have to figure it out, uh, but um, we've thought a lot about what uh, what are the what does the audience actually experience? Because no one's gonna experience a 24 hour piece, right? You know? Well,
0: you'll have those, those fans. Oh, but those are, <laughs> I know
2: all about those. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like for the most part, everybody sleeps within a 24 hour period, so. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. I I really related to everything you were saying about uh, how to effectively plan for work in the future. I mean, we're looking at 2021 and 2022 right now as well. Um, And we're really looking at 2020 because you want to get it right. And it's this huge thing where you're, you're scrying the crystal ball all the time, trying to figure out how you can be agile, but also be speculative. And it's just really interesting to try and figure out how to be relevant but also uh, fit within the boundaries of a funding environment, fit within the boundaries of uh, just budgeting, period. It's it's interesting. And um, I think it's really cool that you're doing your biggest piece ever with us, but uh, your biggest evening ever. But I think we're about to be eclipsed coming up soon next year uh, with a piece called Anyara in Helsinki. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's next for The Crossing? Yeah, so, so the end of this season,
2: uh, 2018-19, is the culmination of... Four-year project called Anyara, and it's based on Harry Martinson's uh, novel, and he won the Nobel partly for his poetry in general, and and then clearly Anyara kind of anchored that. And it's a and it it, it itself the novel itself is a, is a poem, and it's the story of a spaceship that is leaving a dying Earth because we've destroyed it. And it's one of many so-called gondolas that carry thousands of people and they're all headed to colonize someplace like on the other side of mars and this particular spaceship gets into like a, an asteroid belt or something you know and gets thrown off course and when it does it, it is its direction can never be changed it, it's headed out into eternity essentially It's it's actually Headed to, well, their view of it is that they're headed to the Lyra constellation, which is, I think, 15,000 light years away or something like that. So everybody's fate is sealed, you know. Like, it sounds like a sci-fi thing, you but it's it's not. It's like this very human story that's related by this single character about the ways in which, like, love gets caught up and has no directions, and society breaks down into divisions and hierarchies, some of which are cruel and anarchistic, and, you know, some of which are tyrannical and, you know, and, and some of it's just about hope, you know, like there's the, because human beings are like crazy, right? And they're wired to have hope, right, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's been a lot written about that, of course, you know? And so that's a part of it too. And so, anyway, this friend of mine in Helsinki, uh, Don Hen- Henriksson, who's a theater director and an actor and a writer, he has this, this a theater called Clockwork a and And we've wanted to work together for a long time, ever since we did something at Opera Philadelphia in 2002, I think. Maybe, yeah, something like that. We did a Macbeth there. And um, and so finally we went, we're going to do this. This is what this project is and it's going to be for The Crossing and his actors and a production team from Helsinki that he works with in experimental theatre and several uh, instrument players um, on the American side and then Rob Maggio, who's a local composer, came in on it and he's done Last, just last season he had a musical at the Arden, so he like does, mm-hmm. you know, he's well-versed in a lot of different styles of music, and, and it's, it's got, it's like a great big octopus with many, many more tentacles than, than your normal octopus, um, and <laughs> whatever that is, right? It's eight, I think, so, you know, <laughs> right, so like, like imagine like a 24-armed oh. octopus, um, and it's all going to come together here at Christchurch Neighborhood House at the end of June and I'm really excited about it because I think you know it's a story that I believe in and it touches uh, you know it touches all those things that I talk about but it also is born out of uh, our inability to curate our home Mm -hmm. right like the fundamental beginning of it and of course that's just the starting point there's no like moralizing about that right it's just that this all happens because we didn't take care of our home so yeah that's on your own. And the is being, it's and the
1: is a of every I I Cheery, that's gonna be cheery. You sold me. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <it's salt laughs> so natural realism of a spaceship is all I need in my life. I'm
0: well, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. Oh, thank it's you. my pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Crossing will
1: be here at Fringe Arts September 16th at 8 p.m. Uh, with a new program entitled of Arms and the
2: Man. Uh, how many world
1: premieres in on this one? Just one. Just,
2: just, the, Ted Ted one, just yeah. the Ted Hearn.
1: One. Just the Ted Hearn.
2: And lots and lots of works that we've commissioned over the years. Curated together for
1: uh, the biggest evening of The Crossing yet. Uh, if you're interested, get a, or get your tickets at FringeArts.com or on the Fringe Arts app.
0: Available. The App Store and Android, uh, Google Play. Thank
1: you, (laughs) Raven. And thank you, Don Zona, for joining us. Thank
2: you. Thank you.